You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly Market Talk podcast. Today is Tuesday the 22nd of September. I'm Stuart Banks, maybe Treasury, and as usual, I'm joined by, today by Oliver Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist, to discuss the latest market developments. Ollie, obviously COVID remains a primary concern for the Irish government, but Brexit looms large in the background and the possibility remains that the EU and the UK won't agree a trade deal. What's the current position and what can we expect from each side here? Yeah, well, the talks remain in stalemate. Um, Boris Johnson has indicated that a deal needs to be done by the EU summit, head of state summit, which is in the middle of October, the 15th of October. Uh, although if a deal was reached a couple of weeks after that, it wouldn't be an issue in terms of having enough time to ratify it. Uh, the problem remains that the EU and the UK are bogged down on two key issues, in particular state aid rules, which is the ability of a country to provide subsidies for industries, etc. Um, the EU wants strict rules and regulations that are legally enforceable around that, while the UK wants a completely free hand in terms of setting its own rules in regard to state aid and subsidies for industries going forward. Um, and the other issue is relation to fisheries and uh, what enhanced fishing rights uh, UK fishermen will have in their own waters. Uh, after the transition period ends at the end of this year. So little progress has been made on that. Um, we have seen sterling weaken a lot over the course of this month on growing concerns uh, about the logjam and no sign of um, progress being made and a hardening of the position by the UK in particular. So if you go back to the start of the month, sterling was trading at around 89p the euro. The euro, the euro subsequently increased uh, to 93p. Now, uh, Sterling did regain a small bit of ground last week. It's back trading between 91 and 92p. There were some signs of um, progress in regard to the fisheries issue. And both, I saw senior EU figures, uh, particularly Monsieur Barnier, uh, as well as Ms. van der Leiden, who's the head of the European Council, both indicated that they think a deal is still possible. Um, it's not that we have a long list of items to resolve here, that there's two key issues. Uh, that need resolution, so it may not take that long. So we can see in the UK, and more than here, um, the, the UK is moving closer to a lockdown. The virus has reappeared with a vengeance. And I think a lot of analysts think, why would the UK government risk another shock, another shock for the economy uh, at the start of next year on top of a very difficult COVID backdrop? So I think the mood in the market is uh, obviously more cautious, taking sterling lower, but it's still an expectation that a deal will be done at the end of the day because it suits both parties. Thanks, Ollie. Uh, you referenced the exchange rate there, and sterling at the moment is close to 92p, but with no obvious support. Um, the direction of the exchange rate will obviously be determined by trade talks. But what ranges can we expect to see as we move towards year end? Yeah, well, actually, in, in technical terms, I mean, the, there may be no obvious support in terms of the, of the way the uh, EU negotiations are going, the trade negotiations, but 93p against the euro is a huge support level for sterling. And if I take it back to this time last year, there were great concerns that the UK would crash out of the EU without a trade, you would have a hard Brexit, um, our withdrawal agreement would not be concluded, uh, and sterling was up at the 93p level. Now, it held at that time, uh, and obviously subsequently, you know, rapid progress was made in talks in October and a withdrawal agreement was concluded and the EU left the EU, or sorry, the UK left the EU in a very smooth fashion. But 93p was a very key level last year uh, and support for sterling held at that level. And it's interesting that in the first half of this 
month in September, again, the euro rose to 93p, but not beyond it. And if you go back to 2016 and the aftermath of the referendum and into early, early part of 2017, sterling sold off very, very sharply. But again, that 93p level held. So I think uh, what we're looking at over the next number of weeks is uh, that 93 support level holding as long as the negotiations are ongoing. Now, if the talks broke down uh, in October and it looked like we're heading for a, a no-deal Brexit, an effective hard Brexit at, at the end of the year, I would expect that 93p level to, support level to crumble and the euro would rise very strongly. We, you'd expect sterling to fall against all currencies. So for the euro, uh, it, it may be that you know parity could well beckon uh, against sterling in those sort of circumstances. On the other hand, uh, if the talks make progress and we're heading towards a trade deal, would certainly sterling at a minimum would recover all the ground that's lost over the last number of weeks. Um, you would expect the euro to fall back to towards 88 to 89p, maybe down towards 87, 86. So uh, I think we may not see much movement in the next number of weeks in regard to the sterling exchange rate until we get clarity around the talks. But a big move is coming um, in the next couple of months. Uh, it's hard to call it, it could be the toss of a coin, but the, the move will be determined by the course of the negotiations. So no deal, and then a further sharp fall in sterling. If we do get a trade deal, well, then there can be a sharp bounce in sterling. Okay, and uh, moving away from the UK and Brexit, Ali, uh, there's a raft of survey data due from the Eurozone this week. What is this data expected to tell us? Well, actually, there's a, there's a raft of survey data generally due uh, from the for the main economies, both the eurozone, the UK, and the US. As the PMI data, and you know, economists focus on this data because it gives a good underlying picture of, of economic activity. But it's also the first key data we get in any economy uh, in any given month. So, for the eurozone, I think the data are important. Um, the Obviously, the PMI indices fell very sharply during the lockdown and then rebounded over the summer uh, to much higher levels. Now, in the case of the Eurozone, the, the indices fell back in August and fell back quite sharply. I mean, the composite index, which measures manufacturing services, fell from 54.9 down to 51.9. Uh, it'd be a worry if we saw further market decline in the index in September. The market expectation is that it would hold around um, the August level with little enough change. On the other hand, if you look at the UK, there was a deeper recession there and a bigger snapback in economic activity. And that manifests itself in a bigger rebound in the PMIs. So the PMIs in um, August in uh, the UK rose to very strong levels. The services go to 58.6, manufacturers at 55.2. That's well above the, the, the uh, Eurozone levels. The expectations with, um, I suppose, the re-emergence of the virus in particular uh, an increased uncertainty around Brexit, that the indices in the UK would fall back in uh, September. Now, there's still be a reasonably strong level. The, the forecast for services is to fall from 58.8 to 56, and for manufacturing to fall from 55.2 to 54. They're still good readings, but they'll be closely watched uh, to see if there's an even bigger decline on that because, as I say, the, the reverence of the virus and the heightened uncertainty around it. Brexit talks. In regard to the US, the index uh, has risen to reasonably good levels, somewhere between the Eurozone and the UK. Um, so the consensus is for the services PMI to come in around the 54.5, 54.7 level in September, 
uh, and manufacturing to stay as around as current level around 53. They'd be solid readings, but again, the risk is that we might get lower figures because of the very high number of cases, uh, new cases of the virus we've seen over the last four to six weeks uh, in the US. So markets, you know, um, the concern for markets is there has been a good rebound in activity over the summer, but there are signs uh, that maybe lose momentum, particularly with the reemergence of reemergence of the virus, a large number of new cases. So they'll be looking to these data in particular to see what impact um, the new cases are having in terms of economic activity, etc. Okay, and, and finally for this week, Ali, the ECB, the Bank of England, and the Federal Reserve all had policy meetings over the past two weeks. Were there any common themes or takeaways from these meetings that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, generally it's said that the main central banks uh, and even the Bank of Japan have all met over the last 10 to 14 days. Uh, and they've all actually upgraded their growth forecasts for 2020 uh, on the basis that the, 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 the bounce back in economic activity, particularly things like retail spending, has been stronger than expected over the summer. So we will get better growth this year than forecast. Now it means, uh, what, what I mean by that is, the declines in GDP will still be historically large, but not as big as was feared earlier on in the year. In the case of the US, there was a significant upward move in the growth forecast, again reflecting the strength of activity in quarter three. So the UK, so the US economy may only contract by 4.5% this year, as opposed to prior forecasts that could contract by 6-7%. We're still looking at substantial falls in GDP in the Eurozone and the UK, possibly of the order of 8-9%, but somewhat less than was feared earlier on in the year. Now, notwithstanding that upgrade to their forecasts, um, they remain very cautious of the economic outlook, uh, and they are obviously becoming increasingly concerned at the rise in the number of new cases, the fact that COVID restrictions are being imposed in parts of the economy. We've seen regional lockdowns in Ireland, Dublin, uh, in the UK, in Spain, let's say, in Madrid. We've seen it through the States. Uh, and I know, you know the authorities are trying to minimise the impact on activity. It's not, it's not like the lockdowns that impacted the whole economy earlier on in the year. But it's still, we're still locking down sectors uh, of economies, uh, regions of economies. Uh, and that will impede the recovery in economic activity over the balance of the year. So the, the central banks remain cautious on the economic outlook. What they've indicated is that they're, they're satisfied enough with their policy settings. I mean, there's no indications that, that they're contemplating moving policy any further in the near term. Uh, there obviously was a considerable amount of easing done by all the central banks in the first half of the year, involving rate cuts, increased quantitative easing, liquidity support measures. What the central banks have indicated is that um, if required, they will do further policy easing. But they've also indicated that you know, at this stage, given the, the how much monetary policy has been eased, that really a more effective tool would be to loosen uh, fiscal policy even further. Uh, and they're very strong on their view that fiscal policy or budget policy needs to remain supportive of economic activity, certainly over the next six to nine months, while the virus still has a hold on economies. So um, I think caution is the key thing I would say. There certainly were upgrades and a bit more optimistic, but very cautious on the outlook, very concerned that the fresh outbreaks may impede the recovery of economic activity and highlighted the need for policy to remain very accommodative going forward. And in that regard, all the central banks are indicating, you no know, rates are at zero, virtually in the US and the UK. They're negative in Japan, the Eurozone. These rates will remain at, at these levels are even lower for years to come. I mean, the, the, 
we have rate forecasts in the Fed out as far as the end of 2023 and no rate increases built in. And the, the buys of the Fed, the Bank of England, which has been talking about negative rates, the ECB, the Bank of Japan, is, uh, the buys will be, if policy has to move in the next year, it's going to be loosened even further, not tightened. So that's there's a, quite a common theme coming through from all the central banks, uh, holding fire for the moment, but we'll do more if required. Ollie, we'll leave it there for this week, and thanks as always for your insights. COVID continues to dominate both conversation and markets, and for customers impacted by COVID, you can find the details of AIB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID. Finally, thank you to our customers for listening in. To stay up to date with the markets, please press the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS and Android. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.